We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Seahawks Man to Man is presented by OfficialK9.com, the official store of Kenneth Walker III. His store combines the power of Web 2 and Web 3 to allow for fans to purchase new merch drops, digital collectibles, and enter exclusive giveaways. Make sure and peep OfficialK9.com to see all the newest merchandise from Kenneth Walker III and use code Seahawks for 10% off at checkout. Again, use code Seahawks on OfficialK9.com for 10% off Kenneth Walker III's official gear at checkout. Check out the podcast description for more details. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. You can follow me on Twitter at M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. I'm verified with the blue check. Shout out to Elon Musk. I appreciate you. Also appreciate everyone who listens to us on YouTube. Seahawks Man to Man is the name of the YouTube channel. That's Seahawks Man, the number two man. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I. Oh, shoot. I'm going to have to redo that. All right. Three, two, one. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's CKID206. All right. If you guys can see on YouTube, I'm coming to you from my usual spot at my crib. Uh, due to some weather issues in Seattle, I did not make it to Kansas City. Flight got canceled late Friday. That stunk. But it looked cold as shit. In Kansas City, so I'm not totally upset that I didn't get to go. Uh, I would have had my shirt on out there. Them boys out there shirtless, hey, 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 they bugging. Um, anyway, Seahawks lost though, um, as sadly as expected, uh, 24 to 10 to the Chiefs. The Seahawks fall to to uh, seven and eight on the year. They have lost five of their last six games. The lone uh, exception in that statistic is beating the Rams on that game winner. From Geno to DK over Jalen Ramsey. Without that, it would be even worse of a slide. They've started six and three. They're now seven and eight. Um, in terms of playoff scenarios, uh, the Seahawks have a shot here. Let me pull up uh, pull up everyone's records and final remaining schedules. All right, so the Seahawks are still the eight seed, quote unquote seed. There, uh, the Giants, who are ahead of them, are at eight six and one. They uh, finish out against the Colts at home and then at the Eagles. 
uh, the Giants kind of don't matter a ton because I think the worst record they can have is eight, eight, and one. Um, though I guess the Seahawks can, I guess, be nine and eight. Yeah, they can have one more win than the Giants. So I guess, yeah, relevant. Um, the Washington Commanders are seven, seven, and one. Uh, they finish out the year at home against the Browns and then at home against the Cowboys, who still have something to play for, um, as do the Eagles. So that's very important that neither team has like wrapped up. Um, the division in that uh, conference or in that division. Uh, the Seahawks finish out with the Jets at home and the Rams at home. Obviously, Detroit got spanked today. Uh, so they finish out at home against the Bears and then travel to Green Bay. They're seven and eight uh, as well. And then this podcast is coming. We're recording this before the Packers play the Dolphins on Christmas Day. So forgive me. But as of right now, the Packers are six and eight, play the Dolphins on Christmas, uh, the Vikings at home in week 17, and then close obviously with the Lions at home. Again, by the time you guys hear this, the Packers-Dolphins game will have been decided. But those are the relevant games, right? So, Chris, there's still hope. There is. Uh, I think our C our guy at The Athletic, his name is Austin Mock. He's like our resident nerd who comes up with, like, playoff models. Uh, ESPN has one. New York Times has one. And then, like, uh, 538, they have one as well. We have our own. He has the Seahawks, I believe, at about 18.8%, uh, something around there. It might have gone up. Uh, I believe since the Niners beat uh, the uh, commanders, that might be up to near 30%. So they got a shot, but I'm not going to lie, Chris. I'm not going to lie here. The Seahawks haven't looked like a playoff team since when was the last time the Seahawks looked like a playoff team. Help me out. When was the last time you watched? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a playoff team. Maybe the Giants game? Oof. That's a long time ago. That was on, was that in October? Might have been. No, let me see. That, that had to be. It had to be November. Maybe that the first week of November. That's how long it was. Let's see, see that. But I think I, thinking back that was on October thirtieth. Yeah. So yeah. that. Let's think about it though, right? So I'm I'm throwing it out there as that was the potential, the last game that they played. I'm like thinking that's a playoff team. Maybe it's the Cardinals. The after that. Yeah, I thought that the game after that, when they had those, they finished the game seven for seven on third down in that game. And I think they had like a 13-play scoring drive and then like another 13-play scoring drive and then another scoring drive or something like that. I thought that was playoff because that was also in the second half. That was playoff football. Um, I guess the Cardinals team, the, the defense is actually capable. Their offense just ass. Um, but, yeah, since that – what day of the week was that? That was uh, – November, that was November 6th, so that's – yeah, okay. that's that's a while. That's before the Germany trip, man. I, I'm just not seeing. I'm not seeing a playoff team, you know. Um, not to say they can't make it, because like I said, I just outlined all the numbers. Um, and let me make sure. Let me make sure I got the number right on here. I want to say what our guy at the Athletic has um, for the number here. Uh, I don't think it's pretty high. Like I said, I think it's around twenty. 30%. I have it in my story, which is what I'm pulling up. Let me see here. Uh, yeah, 28%. So that's not great. But the reason I'm saying these guys, I'm not seeing a playoff team, is that Chris, something's always wrong. <laughs> and it's not even something's always wrong. Like, no team's perfect every week. Like, the Eagles today just took their second loss. Um, but it's very clear, like, why the Eagles lose games when they do. They fumble the hell out of the ball. I think in their two losses, they fumbled like – they've lost, like, six fumbles. 
uh, like five fumbles in those two losses. So um, there you go. Not to mention the turnovers and the, the, the interceptions that Gardner threw today. But anyway, like for a team like that, even they're not perfect. But the problem when I say something's always wrong with the Seahawks, it's something like fatal or like to the extreme. It ain't something to just be bad at. It's something to be really bad at. Um, you know, whether it in the Bucks game, what did they 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 not score? They didn't score a touchdown until what the fourth quarter? Until it was too late. Yeah, they had to rally late. Um, and the run defense was didn't was even bad. score in the third. That's what it was. They went a whole quarter. I think they went the third quarter. Didn't I think that's been the Achilles heel, just not scoring in the second half for the most part until it's too late. Kind of what you saw on Sunday. Okay, you scored with two minutes left. All right, now what? Yeah, so in the Bucks game, they didn't score a touchdown until there were eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. So, like, it, the offense just – it's just – it's not that the offense ain't good, you know, like in the in games like that. It's – you're not scoring anything, anything. They had three points in entering the fourth quarter. Um, and then the game after that, you got – let me see. Now I'm going to just pull up the whole the whole schedule here because now we're getting, we're getting into it here. Got the Raider game coming off the bye. All right. The fatal flaw there, the run defense – Great googly moogly. They give up like 300 yards to Josh Jacobs. Uh, I think they, the, the final number was like two something for the whole team on the ground, but Josh Jacobs had like 300 total yards of offense, 229 on the ground, a record that I don't think anybody will ever beat against a Pete Carroll team again. That's that's it. That's the record, right? And you get the Rams game. They got run all over in that game too. Um, I think a, a 170 yards or something like that, quarterbacked by um, John Wofford or whatever. And then the, the offenses can save the day, which was great. Shout out to the offense. That was a great, great drive to end up winning that game. What else we got after that? Panthers. Panthers. Run defense. Atrocious. Ran the same five plays the whole game and whole game. Carved them up. <laughs> whole, whole game. It was like Panthers were asking Madden, and Madden kept requesting the same play um, because Madden's like, well, hey, yo, they don't stop it. So you just keep running it. Right? So run defense, the issue uh, there. What do we got after that? Oh, Niners. Nine. Niners, you go three quarters, scoring six points. I think they had six points through three quarters uh, in that game. Yeah, so they entered the fourth quarter with six points. Come on, what are we what are we doing here? And then you got this game against the Chiefs. You uh, they they when they scored their touchdown today. Entered the fourth quarter. Entered the fourth quarter with three points, and then scored with maybe I think it was two fifty left, three minutes, something around there. Put it put it this way: the game is over. You need a miracle. Yeah, they scored with two minutes and 17 seconds. Oh, no, excuse me, two minutes and 25 seconds uh, remaining in the fourth quarter today. That was their first touchdown. Like, that was just, a garbage one. Yeah, another garbage. Just like the, the, the one against the Niners was essentially garbage time, too, uh, I want to say. So it's like you got – you you have these things that just don't go well. And it's not – again, it's not like something just – every team has stuff that just doesn't go there well. It's a football game, and the other team gets paid a lot, too. That That's not what I'm saying I was saying they get something that goes to the extreme. Three quarters with no points or three quarters with no touchdowns in several games here down the, in the back half of the season. Like that's 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 pretty rough uh, for me. And then when you have and then you how many times that happened? We said three three times they've gone into the fourth quarter with no touchdown. And then you have woeful run defense um in, in some of these games or you're just giving up bazillion first downs uh in some of these games i think the panthers were like ran for like 14 of them uh, or something like that in that game it's just some some absurd number the, the raiders had absurd absurd numbers uh, on the ground i think the 
the the Raiders ran for like 14 yards a carry out of 21 personnel. That's what their fullback. Just a, just just bonkers numbers. Like it's something to the extreme every time. And when you have something to the extreme every week, whether it's on one side of the ball or the other, that just tells me you don't play complimentary football. If you don't play complimentary football, then you're going to be at home one two three Cabo. You know when the when the playoffs start. So that's why I say this doesn't look like a playoff team to me. Uh, right now, and then they they could fix some things. Uh, like they played some complimentary football in the in the second half a little bit uh, today, moving the ball, defense getting three uh, stops, like three and outs, and stuff like that. Uh, but that's for fifteen minutes or twenty minutes or whatever. You got to be able to play some complimentary football, like they were playing during that four game win streak. During that four game win streak, they're a playoff team, not just because they were winning, but because of what it looked like. It does not look very good here. Either you can't run the ball, you can't convert on third down, and you can't convert on fourth down, or you can't score in the red zone, or you can't stop the run, you can't get off the field on third down. It's something critical every week, and it's sometimes it's the coaching, sometimes it's the players. Like it's just, it's just, it's just bad. It's just not, it's not consistent, and it feels like every every game. I didn't go to the game today, obviously, but it feels like every game I walk into the locker room and I'm like, well. I'm focusing on this side of the room today because it's the offense. Or it's like, oh, let me go talk to the guys on this side of the room today because it's the defense. It's like there's always something. Like I never walk in there puzzled because there's always a glaring-ass flaw um, going on. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's still hope. Uh, and we, we'll get into some of the questions we have and uh, why there's some still hope and what's some stuff they can fix and all that good shit. But I just don't see a playoff team right now, Chris. I just I just don't. I see a team that finds it finds a way to be – just incredibly bad at something, something every week. And you just, you can't do that and expect to win games. And the crazy part is Mike, they had multiple opportunities on Sunday to, or gosh, Saturday, excuse me, man, they had opportunities where if, so for example, that Justin Watson dude drops a, a huge, (laughs) (laughs) let's just start with the first one though. Right. He drops it. This is an opportunity for the Seahawks to take advantage. The Seahawks can go down and they can score some points. What happens? They have no answer. They don't respond. And in those situations, against a team like the Chiefs, anytime they give you an advantage of a drop pass, incomplete throw, I think, hell, the first possession, Patrick Mahomes just throws in the dirt for a screen. (laughs) Yeah, to those those are Those are things that you're not accustomed to seeing from Patrick. So when they... Those are what I call gifts. You have to respond the proper way, and they didn't do that on Sun on, on Saturday. They didn't respond with a playoff intensity. Like, damn, they gifted us that one. Pete talked about, oh yeah, in the second half we clamped up, played better. The the Chiefs kind of figured they had the game. You guys weren't doing nothing offensively. They were gifting you guys opportunity after opportunity. Travis Kelsey dropped the pass. Sales get the ball back. What do they do? Nothing. There are multiple. <laughs> no, for real. You got to take that. When someone like Travis Kelsey doesn't catch it and they're going to punt the football, you got to score a touchdown. Or at at worst, Mike, you know, you know what really kind of just irked me a little bit was the fact that Pete said in the post game that he didn't think the defense could hang on that long, and that's why they went for it six times. I'm obviously paraphrasing what he said, but it was to the notion of, yeah, I didn't know if our defense could basically keep Mahomes off the field. So we went for it. In that scenario, 
I would have loved for them instead of because you know what happened after they went for it on downs and didn't get it. The Chiefs punted right after that. They went four plays and punted. Had you got three, maybe that gives your defensive momentum. Now it's three to seven if Myers makes it. For the most part, he's been money. Okay. Wait, which one are you talking about? I'm talking about the first one. It was in the first quarter. You're talking about the first after, quarter, first uh, was, failed yep, fourth was, down attempt. Yep, it was after the Chiefs scored a touchdown. The Seahawks get the ball back, obviously, and they get to the 41 yard line. It's the 41. I know it's the Chiefs, but you got to have some type of faith. You That's got a tough you, kick, though. That's a 50, it's, it's, it's a tough kick. It's a 59-yard kick. That's a 59-yard kick. That's tough. Or you know what you do? You punt it, and you make them go down the field. And to be fair, their defense held up. Now, he threw another terrible pass to, uh, what's his name, Valdez Scantling. So, obviously, some things worked in their favor, but those are the things you just got to jump at. And then we get to the Justin Watson play. So they end up scoring later on. He also gifted you a drop. And what did the Seahawks do? Punt. It's those little things that don't matter right then and there. But then as the game progresses, it progresses like, damn, maybe we should have attempted three. Even if it is a 59-yarder. If you if it's 7-3 against the Chiefs, we're in position. Let's get a stop. Maybe we get a turnover. Maybe we get lucky. Because they got lucky multiple times. They were dropping passes. <laughs> As you said before we got on the show here, would you say would you say Justin was? He was just dropping everything? Well, I mean, he literally didn't have a catch. <laughs> I think he, he had, had, he had four, four targets. He had four targets and no catch. And two drops. But those are things you just have to you gotta you gotta execute when they are screwing up. And in this scenario against a team like the Chiefs, that you know is not gonna they're not going to not score the rest of the game. Something's going to happen. And what do you know? Travis Kelsey goes berserk. <laughs> he literally leads them down to score a touchdown. In that scenario, had you had maybe, I don't know, two attempted field goals, you're still in the hunt. Maybe that changes things. But because you're just like, yeah, I don't know if the defense, which I understand, the defense has been iffy all for the last, I guess, to your point, Mike, since the Arizona Cardinals. So, putting a lot of faith out there, but for the most part, I thought the defense played okay. They didn't play terrible. They played okay. Obviously, they gave up a touchdown after that first drive. I figured that was going to happen, and Mahomes literally just threw it in the dirt in the next possession after the Seahawks go three and out. You see, oh, the Chiefs are right back to normal. No biggie there, and then the Seahawks, okay, we have to respond. Let's go for it. Eh, doesn't work out. Chiefs come out and punt again. So right then and there, maybe a 59-yarder works. Maybe you punt it, pin them deep, make them try to go 99 yards, 90 yards with Michael Dixon punting the way he's been punting this season. I just thought they had opportunities that they didn't they didn't jump on. And I know Mike has never kicked, but against a team as like the Chiefs, sometimes you just got to take points and just try to figure it out because they literally held them to seven points, what? That whole first quarter to the last... Mm, three minutes or so, and the offense gave you nothing. And part of it because they tried to run the ball over and over again, and it just wasn't working. And we talked about off-wax. You're looking at third and ten. I think their first three or four possessions, their average was of third downs was third and nine. I have it. You're, you're asking Gino to be Herculean and make plays, which, hey, in certain scenarios, when stuff, as Mike hinted, when stuff's not going right, 
you got to lean on your quarterback to deliver. And he wasn't able to deliver, unfortunately. And that can, you can look at the offensive line, receivers not getting open, not having Tyler Lockett. There's a bunch of excuses and reasons as to why it was what it was. But Geno just has to figure it out. And that's what being elite comes down to. Can you be elite in those scenarios? Can you lead your team when nothing's working? You can't run the football. It's always third and long. And Geno just didn't have it on, on Saturday to get it done. He needed a full team effort, not having Tyler Lockett hurt him. Treadwell had an opportunity to make a play on a fourth down, ran short of the sticks, and then came back to the football. Those little things. Those little things that really cost him the game that had they executed perfectly, maybe the Seahawks cover. <laughs> I don't know if they win, but they damn sure cover. But obviously, who cares about covers? It's about wins. And right now, the Seahawks are at 7-8. And as we have it on our ticker, if you're watching us on YouTube, not a playoff team. And they went up against a playoff team, a team that's potentially going to be maybe representing the AFC for a Super Bowl. Yeah, Those that, are team, that team should win a Super Bowl. That's what they're looking at. And going up against a team like that, I think going in, for example, like if I if Mike, if you're playing Madden and I know you're really, really good on offense and I'm down, I probably got to just attempt the three and just pray that I get lucky and call a play here. Mike throws a, a bad pass or throws a pick. You just got to get in Madden mode and I'll take the points, man. <laughs> I'll try to figure it out because I know I can't stop you offensively, but I got to take some points here and get on the board before it becomes too late. And now you're in the fourth quarter and you have three points still. I'm not saying if they had nine, it'd make a huge difference, but my goodness, nine to what? 17. You're still in it. It's not terrible. You're still in it. So I actually agree with Pete this week. <laughs> um, and it, it's rare. Um, but the reason I agree with it is because he basically said, look, man, I didn't think our defense could stop Patrick Mahomes. And, and that's look, fair. As someone who watches film of their defense every week, <laughs> I hear you, buddy. I hear you 100% why you had just – because that would – here's the thing. With no Al Woods and no uh, Ryan Neal, mm. two of your best five defenders. Um, Asking easily. a lot. Yeah. I would – and you, they plan on playing Jonathan Abram a lot, um, and he basically hasn't played extended snaps for you. You got no nose tackles because you don't have Brian Monet. I – and, and Patrick Mahomes doesn't take a lot of sacks, so that means he moves the ball. Um, he had one of the lowest sack rates in the league coming in this game. He only was sacked once, so I'm sure that didn't change much. I don't blame him for not having faith because it would have been blind faith. Like, we yeah. have formed faith in the in the defense to do that. But what is that? What do you, how do you think the locker room feels when he goes out there and says that? Does that does that change the view of how the defense feels? Is that you get what I'm asking? Yeah, yeah. Knowing I that. that your head coach doesn't even believe that you guys can get a stop. Granted, there's film out there. Obviously, they can see it. But what does that say to your players? Like, damn, coach don't even think we can get a stop here? Now, obviously, it's a gray area, right? Meaning he's not saying that, but he's also saying that. Does that, nah, does that make sense? Nah, no, he did not know gray area. He, 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 he said oh, uh, he, yeah, oh. he, I think he said something to the effect of, I don't think we could hold these guys or yeah, something. No, correct. Absolutely. Which hold means stop. Like, I, I, I know Pete language. Like, yep. that, that meant stop. I could pull There's up another the, variation. Yeah, I could pull up the transcript if I really, really want to. But, like, no, we get it. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, I know what Pete was saying. He was saying we, we needed to be able to score touchdowns to keep up with a team whose offense is that potent. And that 
I understand. I actually wholeheartedly agree. Now, the the, fir- the first time they went for it on fourth and three from the 41, I don't think that was about that. I think that was just saying that Jason Myers is probably not going to make a 59-yard kick in that weather, um, which it, I, I think I saw someone tweet out that I think it was John Boyle, the Seahawks team reporter, tweeted that um, I think Jason like skipped a 53-yarder off the crossbar or something like that. So that was probably his range. Um, usually kickers will go to the coach and tell him like, hey, this is what I hit in pregame or like, Here's where I'm feeling. Get to this marker, and uh, you know the 41 was probably probably not there. That one probably didn't have as much to do with the the Chiefs as much as it did the distance. Yeah, um, but when you're down 17 to three, it gets real dicey. <laughs> yeah. So the other times that they went for it, they were down yeah 17 to three uh, with seven minutes left in the third quarter. They went for it from fourth and four from the 34. I don't mind that. Um, that's a f- okay doing so much math on the show it's probably like a 48 34 plus 52 is a 34 plus 18 52 that's a 52 yard kick manageable that's that's tough you can do hey, it hey hey um, i believe in you myers if you ever watch this no that's Get fine it. i'm not saying i don't believe he's, he's been very accurate with his 50 yarders and his leg has been fine uh, it's the idea that like all right we kicked that ball to them um and we're down 17 to six midway through the third. Are we going to get the, are we going to be able to stop these guys to get the ball back? I do not fault Pete. Again, I watch him <laughs> on the team every every week, just like he does. I understand why he just didn't blindly believe that his team that had just given up 17 points in the first half, which that's on pace for 34 in a game. Uh, I don't, I don't fault him for blindly just saying, and for not blindly, excuse me, giving up on that. Then you got the fourth and eight. Uh, not giving so up. Bold. I don't mind. I don't. I don't. Excuse me. I don't mind Pete just like saying, "Hey, we need to score touchdowns, not field goals against a team with Mahomes." They're down seventeen three to on the first play of the fourth quarter. They have the ball at the Kansas City twenty nine. They are. Uh, it's fourth and eight. So that would have been oh, fuck another no more math. <laughs> uh, all right, twenty nine plus twenty forty nine. All right, so that would have been a forty seven yard field goal, more than makeable. However. He makes it, and you're still just down 17 to six, uh, with 14 minutes left in the third, in the in the fourth quarter. Now, not an insurmountable lead, but again, that offense, his <laughs> defense. I get why he did not give his side the benefit of the doubt. Although to that point, I think they had forced a, a, a three and out in the, the 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 second half. Yeah, they did. Yeah, the fascinating so, thing is every time they went for it and didn't get it. She's punted right after that. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, there's at least one more in there. Oh, the next times they go for it, they get it. Geno scrambles for five yards, and then he hits the quadruple for seventeen, and then they convert. Um, so that was all. That also goes into what I was um, gonna say with that. Beyond his lack of faith in the lack of blind faith, I should say, lack of blind faith in the defense. Him, him going for it also knows that. When you convert in those situations, you usually score some points. And you look at it, the times that they did convert on fourth down, they scored. Uh, so I do I do see his – like I said, this is – I agree with Pete today. It's very rare. <laughs> I usually do not agree with Pete on any of this go for it, punt, <laughs> shit like that. He did not want to get to Kansas City's side of the field and punt. Like very I, tough decision. I, 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 I agree with that. And you see other coaches do that too. The Bills coach that way. Um, John Harbaugh has been very – uh, vocal about that in the games they've played against the Chiefs. Like we, he, he said, he's like he's gone for two just randomly. Harbaugh has against the Chiefs because he knows 
kicking field goals doesn't beat Mahomes. You need to score touchdowns. And I do, I do get that logic of it. My thing is why they weren't able to convert on those. And it goes to situational football. That like, that's another thing that's been fatal with these guys. Um, look at their third down number today. What was it? Two of 14. Yeah, that was not good. Bad situational football to the extreme. Two of 14. That Cardinals game we talked about last time they were a playoff game. Um, they were like eight of 16 or something. They were, yes. Um, before they had finished the game like seven of seven, they were terrible uh, on third down. Like they've had some really bad third down games. Like they had two games where they were like an 11% conversion rate. This was, I think, 14%, which is disgusting. You can't be that low. Like you should be at around like thirty three percent on your on your third downs, like to be respectable, even on a bad day. To be two of fourteen, it's unserious football to me. You know, I just did that uh, on offense, like you said, because the defense was fine. I think the Chiefs today had more three and outs than they've had all year, all season. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. had like five three and outs, I think, yeah. something like that. No, granted. Had- oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'll say that more with the nerdiness in their stats. Uh, they had a higher – this was the second highest three and out rate that they've ever had – or that they had all season. It's the highest three and out and punt rate um, that they've had. So uh, I'm saying three and out, you could go for it on fourth, which is why I'm just not – I'm separating these numbers. It's like a three and out and punt is a little different than always just not converting on your first three downs. So they, they had a three and out and punt rate of like 36% today. That's the highest they've had all season. You know, I don't think the Chiefs had an explosive run today. That's a run of 12 or more yards. Like, the the defense did a lot of good things today. Like you said, Chris, the Chiefs scored a touchdown with eight minutes and 56 seconds remaining in the second quarter. They didn't score another touchdown until there were four minutes left in the fourth. That's a long stretch where the defense is just throwing, 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 punch, 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 pressuring Mahomes stopping the run like for them to get nothing out of that that's that that's that lack of complimentary football that the, that's what the bad teams do the bad teams have those type of games not the playoff teams the playoff teams do not have those type of those type of performances consistently this is like again like the sixth game in a row one side of the ball just decided to just sleepwalk through most of the game and you can't have that you can you cannot have that you can't just not be able to run the ball in the first half ken walker had 11 carries for 16 yards <laughs> in the first half <laughs> You can't, you can't do that. And I know Ken took the blame. Great guy. Uh, Ken, he said that he needed to be more decisive. He says explicitly the offensive line was fine. They said that I need to be more decisive and just go straight and, and, and stop just trying to make things happen. Something we've talked about on the show. Kudos to Ken being held accountable in that way, holding himself accountable in that way. That's great. Good for him. Can we watch the games too, brother? You ain't always have nowhere to run. <laughs> like it's it's not just your fault. We can see it. Hell, on a toss, bro. Trebo didn't even block for you. Nobody he just let the he just allowed the corner to just come right at you. Make and you made a miss, but then the pursuit of linebackers, defensive ends, and tackles, you ain't got no choice. You ain't got no shot. What are you gonna do? What was the one Frank Clark came in there unblocked? Bruh, they brought yeah. in an extra tackle <laughs> on the left side. <laughs> Ran it to the right. Frank Clark just finds his way in there. I'm, I'm thinking, why even bring somebody in? <laughs> they have one the Who was it? Was it? It was Chris Jones. I think just comes right across Charles Cross's face. Yes, I want to say smacks Lost Ken. Yep. It ain't all just Ken. I, I again, I appreciate Ken 
taking that responsibility on him. That's how you're supposed to do it in the post game. Get up there and lie. No, uh, but the, 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 the film, don't, don't, don't lie. <laughs> I guess don't get up there and lie, but only talk about what you could have done better because that's fair. That's fine. It's 100% fine. That's what we call a leader. Exactly. That's great leadership. We don't got to do that. We can say that it wasn't just you, Ken. It was it was a little bit of everybody not contributing to How about the those, those seven guys up front that are supposed to maybe, I don't know, give a little blocking every now and then just so you can find a lane? And I will say this before we get into the, the questions. I was encouraged offensively. Defensively, I've, I was encouraged by the limiting the explosives. I know the broadcast talked a lot about them missing tackles today, which they, they did have some missed tackles. But, like, they limited the explosives, which I thought was was on the ground, um, which I thought is, is good because that's just clearly addressing an issue that they had up front. This wasn't a perfect day by the defense, but, you know, take your small wins where you can. Uh, on offense, I was encouraged by the fact that – and I was live tweeting this during the game. Before the game, I think it was Friday, I tweeted a clip that the Seahawks put out from the game against the Panthers, and it's it's Geno sitting next to Shane Waldring telling Shane, don't abandon the run, stay with it, we have to stay balanced. Like, we'll, we'll throw the ball when we need to, but just don't give up on the run game. I thought that was a really uh, important clip, and um, that's why I tweeted it out, duh. And I, I imagine that a similar conversation was being had at halftime of this game tell, Shane, from Shane to Gino, Gino to Shane, Pete to Shane, whoever, telling them, look, we're not getting it done in the run game, but do not give up on it. We have to keep doing it. It'll it'll hit. Stay with it. And I thought that was really important that they ended up doing that. And it did hit. You know, I think Ken ended up having like 90 yards in the second half. That's really important because the one when I wrote that the Seahawks didn't have an identity, uh, I think this was before the Niners game. It's because in situations like this in the past, they had given up on it. It was Shane throwing his hands up and being like, dog, I'm not about to just keep calling runs on second and 12. I'm going to have to throw it. And I feel Shane on that. But you see today, they ran it on second and 10. They ran it on second 11. They ran it on second and 12 and shit like that. And while that's not the greatest down to run it, like I understand even as a huge analytics nerd that there is value in that. Force them guys to play blocks. Force them linebackers to have to come down and hit somebody in five-degree weather or whatever the hell it was. Like I do see the value in some of that and then is how some of those 20 yarders hit ken had an 11 yarder another 20 yarder you need them shits to hit you just said that you drop back so much gina will die when he went down today i thought he died oh he yeah. did he got the wind knocked out of him i know yeah. what that's like you you die when when that happens and you can't you're gasping for air one of the worst feelings <laughs> ever there's <laughs> nothing you can do you're, you're, yeah, you're looking for right. something that's not there <laughs> So and and he, yeah, and that was I think that was one of only two times he got sacked. So they were holding up okay, and Gino was getting the ball out. But I say I commend them for that because that is that is what the championship teams can do, at least playoff teams. You can you can stay committed to something that you do well or that you need to do well to make your whole thing function. Because if they just dropped back fifty times in the second half, Gino was going to die. Yeah, it was it, real for real out there in that cold. And even more fascinating before we get to Twitter questions is the fact that when we had Nate Taylor on who covers the Chiefs for the Athletic, we talked about, is this the week where the Chiefs blitz more, put more pressure on Geno? Because at that time, they were blitzing at a 26% rate, which is pretty – it's more than average in the league. Yeah, that's the above high, average. The highest is the New York Giants. They blitzed at 40% of the time, but neither here nor there. Yeah, The Chiefs didn't even blitz on on Saturday. They literally just allowed the four-man front to push the pocket, 
and that they were they were fine with that. And I was really impressed by that. That they just said, "Screw it, we got the dudes to do it. We'll just run rush four. Mike looked it up for me. Gino dropped back forty four times. They blitzed three times. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just that's all I gotta say. You ready for Twitter questions, Mike? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We got some good ones today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Let's get into it. We got quite a few. We'll start off with Ryan Turner at Turns 44. What up, Ryan? All right. He wants to know about Gino. It's a lengthy one, so follow me here, Mike. Do the Seahawks re-sign Gino? Let him walk. Go after Minshew. Load up on the defense with those options. Use a top five pick on a quarterback. Use their late first rounder on a QB. Lots to juggle here. What do the Seahawks do? It's, that is a lengthy question from Ryan, but I mean, I mean it's, it's one that everyone's wondering. Um, so I think that Gino's Gino's performance has dipped a little bit. Um, statistically, it looks like it's a lot worse than it actually is. Like I, I do think Gino's still playing like okayish. Um, like even even today, I thought he was fine. Ish. The pick was really bad. Um, yes, I was really sorry to cut you off. I was really confused on that. It looked like he was expecting a fade. Right. And it was Goodwin, right? Yeah, Marquise Goodwin, yeah. Marquise ran a comeback. Now and it, then, was, it was more like a... More an like out? A, like a sail route, kind of. Well, whatever it was, it wasn't what Gino thought. And then Gino took the blame for it. I'm thinking, nah, bro. You call a play and your receiver run the wrong route. Now, maybe Gino did screw it up, but I... That was that was maybe a leadership thing that Gino was like, I'll take the blame on that. Because well, I what Pete said that Gino made the the right read as well. Um, so, yeah, that too. Who 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 knows? I don't. Yeah, it, the pick was bad. I will say to answer Ryan's question though, I don't think we reached the point where Gino has to, where we're like, ah, yeah, ah, this is done. Draft um, draft Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, or something like that. I don't. I I think that he would have to be just buns out here for the to be that and i don't think i still see a functional nfl playoff caliber quarterback right who's 
who has to function a lot of these games without um with without a run game and an unreliable defense now again the defense was a lot more reliable today um but in general you guys get what i'm saying i think you guys all you guys all watch the games you see the defense for the season has been bad um so we can eliminate that part of the geno scenarios draft the one with the top five pick i don't think we'll get to that point even if i think he would have to look like really bad in these last i'm talking zach wilson yeah, Zach Wilson, like Jamarcus Russell, rookie year Jared Goff type. You know, I don't like I don't I don't think you have to. Uh, it, he, he's not going to get to that point. Um, well, the other part of that, I do think we've probably gotten to the point where you can reasonably, if there's a guy there that you like, take a quarterback late in the first round. Uh, maybe if you like. You can trade back. Like they probably have like pick like 14, 15, or 16 or something, something like that. If you want to trade, you trade back a little bit and accumulate some more picks and then take a guy late in the first or something like that. Like where Jordan Love got picked or where Lamar Jackson got picked. Paxton Lynch, bad example, but you can see what I'm saying. All these guys got picked around from like 26 to 31. If you want to take a guy there, I think we've reached that point. That is fine with me. I still would re-sign Gino. I would give him another year at least. Because uh, I do think you can get where you want to be uh, with a guy like Gino. Like, I don't think any of the things that have worked well for him are just going to fall off next year. I think the protection might even get better because they're going to have to address the O-line. Um, your tackles will probably get better. Um, so you got that. Can't possibly run the ball worse than they have in this little stretch. Um, so you should run the ball better. Um, you should have better protection. All your weapons should be coming back. All the tight ends are under contract. All the receivers, except for Marquise Goodwin, you know, under contract. So... All that I think is fine. I, th- I would re-sign him. Where you probably, you probably can't get to a point where Geno acts for like top-tier quarterback money now, even with the Pro Bowl, just because you, you know, this this little stretch here um, doesn't look great statistically, and some of it, and the turnovers just mounting too. He's turning, it seems like he's turning it over like bad ones, uh, not fluky shit either, like tip passes and stuff. Nah, nah, these are these are balls going straight to the other guys in the, in the other jerseys. So as those mount up, you probably can. The, the franchise tag no longer becomes the baseline for the negotiations. I think I've said that on previous podcasts. Like, hey, you got to start at $31 because that's the franchise tag, blah, blah, blah. Probably don't have to do that anymore. It probably drops. Uh, you probably can get a one- or two-year deal, whatever. But you know, maybe a three-year one that you can get out of later. But it probably doesn't need to start at $30 million or something anymore. You know. Um, so I think we're at that part. Uh, you could also – I don't think you should go get Minshew. Go Cougs, love Gardner, but no. Um, and I think the other, you can also maybe take a guy in the second round. You know, if you like, I don't know who the second round guys are. Maybe Hooker from uh, Tennessee or something. I don't know. But I think that's where we're at currently. I think the, with a strong finish and they make the playoffs or something, he plays well in the postseason. This could all change. But at this point, I think that's where we are with the, our realistic Geno scenarios. I just, we're not in the top five quarterback drafting spot we're not in the just let him walk spot uh, we're probably in like a all right run it back with him but get yourself some insurance for 2024 and beyond this one is from young slick x the seahawks seem very very sloppy on offense on saturday is there a reason behind it or should we chalk it up as just having a awful or a bad day yeah i i feel like i've we've repeated this quite a bit on the pod but i'm fine saying People have asked, like, what should those first couple picks be with in, on the draft? And I've said, D-line, interior, O-line. 
I hope that people are seeing this now. Like it's 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 pretty clear that that's that's where the picks need to go. Um, honestly, how many picks do they have? Nine? Like seven? Oh, nine? Okay, they have a lot of picks. How about that? They should have an extra fifth because of the Akello trade. They should have like a seventh. Uh, I'm pretty sure. And then so that's three in that round. There are three back there. They should have a fourth, their own third two seconds and then two first so that should be nine um look look that up but the, yeah if they use all of those on just the trenches that's fine like i <laughs> legitimately think that's fine i think i've joked in the past that we're gonna watch one but some some team use their entire draft on linemen like if the seahawks did that with a d-line or o-line this this draft wouldn't be bad um so i think to answer the question it's the inability to get the run game going. And Gino has had games where he's been able to get it done without a run game, but that's just just hard. And there's just a tier of quarterbacks that can consistently do that. Um, I think Justin Herbert is one. Like anybody who has like Austin Eckler in fantasy knows they don't run it super well consistently. The Bills, again, if you, if you draft any Bills running back in fantasy, you track their numbers. You can see Devin Singletary just don't go off every week. You know, there's a reason that they wanted to trade for Christian McCaffrey, but they got Josh Allen, so their offense is still great, even though they don't run it super well. I'm missing a team here. Someone else is – who am I? Oh, the Chiefs, duh. The Chiefs don't run it super well consistently, but they have Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, there's a different tier of quarterback. Even Tua Tungavailoa this year, the Dolphins kind of stink at running it uh, until their last game. Again, this I'm not, I haven't seen the Christmas game. Before the Christmas game, you know – they really haven't been running it super well this year, and two is still putting up great numbers. Um, that's hard to do, though. You look at how the Dolphins' offense has come crashing down to life in, like, the month of December. Why? Because teams are like, if you ain't going to run it, we're just going to give you all these exotic coverages, blitzes, and just not respect your your, uh, your run game. So I say all that and say that Geno's just not in that tier of guy who can just carry the team without the, without the help of a run game. That's why he was sitting there on the bench asking the coach to run it. <laughs> You know, like he like he knows he knows that he thinks very highly of himself, but knows good and goddamn well. He just can't do that every week. That's that's stress on him. That's stress on the O-line, everybody. Um, so I, I think that that's the main issue, which is why you saw them moving the ball a lot better when they could run it. People keep talking about tempo, right? The, uh, you know, G, uh, we've been writing a lot about like tempo these last few years. Gino mentioned it after the game. He got some follow up questions about tempo. The tempo thing is is it's not as simple as just run up tempo right chip kelly's eagles tried that it was fucking stupid chip got fired very fast right because you can't just run up and down the field getting three and outs in 30 seconds you need to get first downs and then you can get to tempo like for example you guys will all notice this now that i'm saying it watch just write just stand up drink a beer take a shot say a prayer every time that the seahawks get a first down and then go no huddle and run empty Watch, you'll see it. It's a lot now that I've mentioned it to you because you need at least a first down to get the tempo. You just can't come out like, all right, guys, here's our tempo drive. You go three and out in 30 seconds. Now your defense is cussing you out. Them dudes, they didn't even got a chance to retighten their cleats before they're right back on the field. Okay, so uh, the, the issue, you got to have some type of balance. Like, I thought Russ was the type of guy for a, he was there for a stretch where he could function at a high level with no O line and no run game. He did it. I've synced it own two eyes he can't do that now and neither can Gino and that's okay 
But when you see the offense struggle for a long time and they're not converting, it's because they're running for nothing on first and second down. Now it's third and 30 and they're fucked. Right. So that's why they look so sloppy today. And that's why they look so sloppy the last like month or so. This next one is from at SP Demand. Geno's price is going down weekly. Does it make sense for the Hawks to offer anything more than one year at this point? Yeah, you should offer multiple just so you can uh, stretch out the cap hits because they have some needs elsewhere. Um, so you don't want to just give them a big-ass chunk and it just hits the salary cap right now. You give them a two-year deal or a three-year deal if for no other reason so you can just stretch out the hits. So, for instance, let's say you're like, all right, Mike, I think Geno's worth $25 million. Cool. You don't just give them a one-year $25 million deal, right? You give them like a three-year... 60 million dollar deal or something like that but it's something that you structure in a way that his cap hit in 2023 is really like 18 million and then it jumps up in 2024 or something like that and it jumps up in 2025 but you can realistically get out of it after 2024 or something like that like you structure it that way so you're not just like all right you know here's 25 million dollars eating up 25 million of the cap no you got too many other issues to fill um particularly in your trenches um, and that can get pricey. So uh, while the price can go down, I still think you have to, you probably have to structure it that way. Derek Carr's deal is kind of like that. Derek Carr just got an extension. I forget how much it's worth, um, but they can cut his ass in a month, you know, and not eat anything. And he's on the books technically till for years after this, um, but you can cut him after, yeah, I think after this year and lose nothing. Um, so a, a deal like that, not to say they should just get from out from under Gino really soon, but yeah, to to make sure the the math adds up and re, you, you're still managing your roster right, um, even despite the price going down. Yeah, you got to stretch out the multi year. You got to make it a multi year thing to make the numbers line up. This next one is from Steve Clark. Have the Hawks finally lived up to preseason expectations? Um, I don't I don't think so. Because I still think that the things that they're good at. And the things that they're bad at aren't things that it's not how everyone thought this was going to go. Right. Like, I think if you did like even before week one, I feel like a lot of people would have said, all right, defense could be solid. They got so and so and so and so. Um, they got the new scheme and then they're going to run the ball really well. They got Rashad Penny, blah, blah, blah. Like, like I talked to like we talked about, I want to say either after the Niners game or beforehand, this is nothing. Even if the, the, uh, the record is kind of where people thought they could have gotten to the the how they've done it is still weird they're still like a, a geno smith reliant team and no one thought that even if that we've gotten to seven and eight which a lot of people probably could have predicted them you know maybe being seven and eight uh, at this point uh maybe not a lot of people but some people chris maybe could have predicted that seven and eight at this point um you were higher on the team than most I, don't, I still don't think, like, this is not a big, like, I told you so moment for people who weren't high on the Seahawks because I bet you all the things that you thought they'd be good at that you thought they may be bad at, it was not this. I, I guarantee you people didn't just think they would have terrible run defense. Like, that's just, we really rarely ever see that by a Pete Carroll team. Um, probably thought they were going to run the ball better. They haven't been running the ball with the damn for the last month, you know? So uh, th it's still kind of what they are, who we thought they were a situation in totality. But the how we've gotten here, I don't think is how a lot of people would have anticipated this, and myself included. I would not have thought that I got to seven and eight by getting out to a six and three start, and then just only being able to do one thing really well, which is have Geno throw. Like, or the other thing that they're doing kind of well, low key, 
is they're guarding receivers pretty well. Um, you know, that's a weird thing. I would not have thought they'd be super good at that just based on the cornerback situation coming into the year either. So they're a weird, they're a weird team. It just goes to show you that preseason shit can just matter but so much. Like, you got to go out there and play the games. And, like, this – Seattle has met some expectations, but really the how, how they've done it, they really just flipped a lot of what we thought, you know, on its head, you know, after, what, 15 games or whatever. This next one comes from Nelson at The Nail Dog. Is Waldron's job on the line? It should be. Dismal play calling. I love that he just uh, posed a question, then answered it. Is his job on the line? Hell yeah. Um, do I think it's on the line? No, not necessarily. Um, because I don't think that... I really think, you know, sometimes you hear people wonder, like, is it the scheme? Is it the players? Is it the execution? With the run stuff, they're running a lot of the same shit that was working and teams aren't doing that much different stuff to stop it you know like there's like some of these toss plays that are working same or uh, aren't working now these are some of the same tosses they're running before um not to say that everyone's just adjusting to it like i said they're not you know some of these inside runs some of these outside mid zone or whatever they want to call their zone runs same shit it's just not hitting and that is probably where Ken can take some blame there. Um, again, glad he did that. It's not just him, man. You got your, your, your linemen getting beat, getting pushed back. We did that whole clip a couple weeks ago where I just showed all the Travis Homer runs from the – what game was that? The Panthers game? Panthers, yeah. Wasn't none of that shit. Travis' fault. <laughs> you know, he ran fine. It's the blocking. And it ain't just the line either. Against the tight ends. Colby Parkinson had a play where he got blown up today by number 50. And just just wrecked the whole run early, you know. Uh, DK had a hold. I don't know if that was legitimately a hold, but that a holding call negated like an 18 yard run on the first play. It goes from first and 10 at the 25 to first and 12 at the five, 20 yard difference. Um, you know they end up punting on that play. So I think uh, Shane is working with what he's got, and it's a very tough position to be in. Again. I really empathize with the spot he's in because I can I can feel it in real time. Like, all right, you got a run call. It's first and 10 at your own 30 or whatever. Regular part in the game. It scores 3-3 or some regular shit. All right, call a run. All right, my left guard gets blown up. Second and 13. Chris, what would you do? You going to run it again? It's tough, man. I, the best example I can give, and we, we feel the, play, the pain, is we play football on Saturdays. There are some limitations to quarterbacks. When you have said quarterback, you know certain stuff just isn't open. You can't just say, let's throw a bomb on the first play. You have to literally work your way up the field. You don't have that luxury of saying third and long, hey, let's just go for it. Let's just throw a bomb and see what happens. Because for Shane, is the same scenario almost. Okay, well, uh, I can only do so much. So let's just let's try to get bits and pieces and run it here. Maybe we break one. You're asking a lot for this offensive line, but it really comes down to something simple that we talked about after you showed that video. Execution. Guys aren't guys aren't hitting their holes. Now they don't have the talent. They're just not executing it. And maybe you could argue that some guys just aren't good at that spot. Okay, cool. Well, that's where the draft comes in, and then you need to get better at that spot. That way, Shane has the playbook entirely open to him, and there's no pressure of... Yeah, I know this play is probably not going to work, but we have to do it anyway to try to make this team go to a different look. We have to get them out of just 
playing one single safety. We got to get them into two safeties so we can throw the ball. If they're just going to have one guy sitting in the box all game, what does that do for our pass game? They're they're waiting on it. We can't run the football. They know it. What are we supposed to do? So it just it makes things easier when you have the advantage of trusting your players to execute said play. When you guys, when you have a receiver that doesn't even touch the corner and Ken Walker is trying to get a toss play and get upfield, those are just, an, that's just one example of just executing. We're not saying you need to lay a guy out. Get your hands on him. Allow Ken to make a decision on where he wants to go. We saw that later in the game when Ken caught a toss to the right, got a few yards, then cut back to the left. Explosive play. I think it was maybe 14 yards, maybe less. He got a first down. The biggest thing is it really comes down to execution, and there's only so much Shane can do. Shane can call the greatest play of all time. If it doesn't, if it's not executed, yeah, it looks like Shane's an idiot, but hey guys, how about you just do your part? <laughs> Hold right. the block for three seconds. There's there's no play for poor execute to overcome poor execution. You know, that's the that's that's the the real gist of it. Particularly, I think Shane's Shane's difficulty is in the run game. Again, look. So here here's a stat for you guys. All right. So in 2022, uh, of the running backs if, with at least 100 carries, okay. So that filters out a lot. So that's of about 40 running backs that have at least 100 carries. The highest percentage of runs for a neg for negative yardage or for zero yards, right? The highest. High, the running back with the highest. The, the, the highest is bad, really bad in this scenario. The highest is James Robinson of the Jets, 26.4%. So he runs for nothing or negative more than a fourth, more than a quarter of the time. That's bad. The league average is 17.3. Okay. Keep that in mind. You know who's second on that list? Can only imagine. Ken, Ken Walker. At 24% of the time, he's going for zero or negative yards among the running backs with at least 100 carries. That's a lot of going backwards. I wouldn't want to call runs either. You know, like I, I, I understand the difficulty. You know, it's hard to stick with it. Um, so, no, I don't think his job's on the line because you know what Pete Carroll's doing? Review, reviews the film, agree with what the hell I just said. <laughs> you know, it's hard. That's very, very hard to stick with that. And, and maybe some of that is him scheming it up. Maybe some of that is Andy Dickerson, the line coach. Maybe some of that is Chad Chad Morton, the run game coordinator. Again, I'm looking at the film, seeing a lot of these same schemes, same runs, and it's this guy's not getting it done. So I don't think that's a shame thing. This next one comes from Hawks Fan 206. How much is the inability of the offense to get momentum on Shane? Versus Geno versus the O line versus skilled players. Yeah, that just goes back to our last one, man. I, I really think it's it's a lot of execution. Not to say every play call has been perfect, it's it, it's not. Um, but I, I do think it's it, it's it's a lot of execution, man. Like I was talking to a, a coach. I won't name the coach because we weren't talking on the record. I was talking to a coach though um, recently. I won't say when. Recently, and we we're just kind of talking about the offense, and it was just like, yeah, man. We call a play and it just be one guy, not the same guy, but it just be one. It just takes one guy not doing his thing to fuck up a play. It's just like you could have a um, 
like one of them blocks. I think it's called wham. I forget. Like you have like the tight end come down and hit oh. the free free edge rush. I don't know if that's trap wham. However you want to just whatever. I don't know. It could be both depending on who you want doing it. To be yeah. honest. Yeah. So one of those. All right. If the tight end, for example, comes down to try to block that D end, right, and he's supposed Misses. to wham him trap, and he whiffs, and you got an unblocked guy coming in. It looks like your OC doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Right, it looks like your running back sucks. And it's like, no, 10 guys did the right thing. One dude whiffed. Or if you had a play where, you know, a uh, guy blocks the wrong way, all right, we got free rusher. One guy. One guy doesn't get his hand on a guy, doesn't crack the safety. Plays over. You know, there's just so much that can that has happened to these guys and a lot of plays in particular this last month or so. Where it's just been one guy. That's why I see why by the time we talk to Shane Waldron on Thursdays after a Sunday game, he says cliche shit like, yeah, it takes all 11. You know, I feel him because he's not getting that. He's getting a lot of time. Yeah, be 10 guys half the damn time. Like, yo, how is this? Just one, if this guy just does this one thing, and sometimes the tenth, the eleventh guy not doing it is Gino throwing the ball to the other team or whatever, or Abe Lucas getting beat on the sack, or Charles Cross getting beat on the sack, or Gabe Jackson getting walked back. It's not even always just the run game. It's 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 it can be somebody on any given play, and that's probably what's so frustrating when these guys all watch the film Monday. It's just like man, we have the talent, and it's just like all right, if this guy does right on this play, then it's this dude messing up. If this guy does right on this, then it's this dude messing up. Or this guy drops the ball. Or then Gino, by the time it all, all the other 10 guys are right, then Gino's inaccurate or something like that, which isn't very rare. Gino's usually pretty on target, but you get the point. Like, Or if it's all blocked up well, and then Ken is back there dancing. You know, so it's it's very, it's, I, I really think, now some of that ultimately maybe just falls on the OC. Um, but I think the play calling itself is, is probably fine, man. It's just a, a lot of, just mental, the mental part doesn't seem to be there consistently from snap to snap to snap by all 11 guys. Speaking of running, I know this is a little off topic because the Chiefs, but that first touchdown to Tony when Trey Smith, I think his last name, the old, the guard just destroys Kobe. Yeah, that's his name, yeah. That was so brutal. I felt bad. Like that is perfectly executed. <laughs> Climbs no, the Chiefs, up. Chiefs have a really good line. <laughs> Kobe, if if that block doesn't happen, Kobe probably makes a touchdown saving tackle. Yeah, no, the, the, the he's he's somebody who's really good. Creed Humphrey's really good. Um, they're, yeah, they're, we saw the, the screen that they ran. <laughs> Creed's out there blocking. <laughs> yeah, they're they're real. They're they're they have a really good offensive offensive line. Like they they saw what happened in that Super Bowl they lost and was like, this shit's not happening again. We are yeah. about to load up on offensive linemen to protect Patrick, and it worked. Um, so credit to the Chiefs on that. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. We had a second one from Steve Clark. Given the hype around Stroud and Young, there's probably a team that will want to draft one of them badly. Just like he gives an example, RG3, Tim Tebow, and Ryan Leaf. What's the trade package you'd be hoping for if the Seahawks decided to trade Denver's first, two first, or should they go for more? Did, did they trade up for Tim Tebow? I don't remember them trading up for Tebow. Um, anyway, that's irrelevant. I know they traded up for RG3. 
excuse me um yeah i was talking about this actually with somebody recently i'm intrigued by the idea of trading denver's pick i actually am because you do see some of these hauls that teams get and we were actually talking about like the package for like i think they traded up for jared goff the rams did yes rg3 was a trade up um trey lance trade up i think the jets traded up for sam Darnold as well so um you get these trade-ups and these can get really valuable here depending on how desperate someone is and again some of that is where guys are coming from like if you're trading from if you want the third pick and you're only picking five you don't got to give up that much but if you want the fifth if you want the third pick and you're picking 15 yeah i'm about to fleece you like you're giving me a lot so um i've actually been intrigued by that um, depending on which teams land where the lions have made that conversation a bit more intriguing because of how jared goff is playing like i don't think jared goff is very good but like when the lions lose games at least the ones i've seen them lose it ain't because of how jared goff has played i didn't see how they lost to the panthers but it looked like they couldn't stop the run i'm um, just looking at the box score i don't know how much that has to do with jared but just in general i actually think that's been a pretty interesting thing to low-key monitor because uh, there are going to be a lot of teams who want a quarterback but can't like jump up there uh pittsburgh uh perhaps the raiders potentially i don't really see it but it could uh the colts could want to jump up there who else is that bad uh chris that could texans now they'll be high, they'll be picking high enough the texans are bad uh the jets the jets are a very interesting team the patriots uh yeah jets and patriots come to mind the commanders um hell maybe even the packers man who knows what aaron Rodgers and jordan love with that future holds well, with, with jordan love you probably just roll out jordan um but pa carolina uh they, they could win the carolina could win a division with like a seven and ten record you know like crazy they could probably win a quarterback so there's a few teams who won't be in the top six that could maybe want to jump up i'm actually very intrigued by the idea of getting the third pick trading it back to like pick nine but picking up a haul or pay, trading it back to like pick 12 and picking up an extra first rounder, but still getting a good player. Like a, I think a team that just did that, I think the 49ers grabbed a pick from like the Dolphins or something like that to get Trey Lance and they traded it back to like pick 12. And I think pick 12 in that draft, I think it ends up getting traded because the Eagles moved up, I think, or the Dolphins moved up to get like Jalen Waddle maybe. Uh, but pick 12 or whatever and that draft ended up being like Michael Parsons or some shit it's either Michael Parsons or like Devontae Smith um so point being you don't have to pick it like three four or five to get the best player in any given draft you can get the best player at pick eight you can get the best player at pick nine best player at pick 10 now if you if you're adding extra uh second or third rounders in while doing that and picking up an extra first I might I might entertain that I know as bad as the defense is, it's like, guys, just take Jalen Carter. Don't overthink it. I hear you. I hear you screaming into your, your phone right now. I feel you. But I'm intrigued by that. If you're offering a first next year and I only got to and I can stay within the top 10 or just get right outside the top 10, like pick 11 or some shit, and I'm picking up an extra second maybe in this draft or an extra third in this draft, I, I, I might bounce. You give me like a first next year and I get to around like pick 11 and you give me a second this year and like a next year's 20 uh, next year's third or something like that I, I might I might move out of that maybe I need a little bit more I gotta look at the trade chart 
but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for the Seahawks to take advantage of a team that wants to trade up for a quarterback and use Denver's pick to move back and pick up more picks. This one's from Josh Walby. How will the Seahawks survive when Lockett leaves? And does anyone know how the Seahawks, or how do you think the Seahawks will approach free agency? I don't know about free agency quite yet. Um, I imagine a lot of guys in the front seven and the in the O line are won't be back. That would be my guess. Um, Lockett ain't going nowhere, man. I, I I don't know if you guys can hear it in Pete's voice. Pete loves that dude, man. Now, and I know Pete has lost some battles, you know, with um, keeping some veterans here. Like you see, Sherm is cool with Pete. That's probably because Sherman's beef is probably with just John Snyder. Like Sherm wanted Russ to stay, tried to convince him to stay. Um, which is another reason why I just don't give Pete credit for being a genius. Like he wanted Russ to stay. Um, uh, he wanted Bobby Wagner to stay. Um, you know, so I, I think that it's going to be really hard for, even if John wanted to get rid of Tyler, which I don't think he does. That's one of those that Pete walk in and be like, hey, 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 I have personnel say we're keeping 16. Um, so no, I don't think Tyler's going anywhere. This next one is from Big Pete. This is a conversation he's having with his coworkers. Would you rather the Hawks take a better draft spot right now or make the postseason? Man, I don't know why this is so hard for people. Losing is bad. <laughs> like, it's very, very, very... I just saw the uh, Lovey Smith today. He said um, the Texans are like two... What are they? Two, two ten and thirteen. And- Two ten and one. Let me see. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, they got a tie in there, so they're probably like two eleven and one. They're two twelve and one. And Lovey Smith said today, he said we're two one and one in the division. We want to finish with the best record in the division because they can. They can finish four one and one, which would be the best record in the division. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah, because there's just something. Winning breeds something, man. Like it really does. Like when you when your team is down, like if the Seahawks, for example, I know some people are like, you know what, fuck it, let's just lose the rest of the game. You know how bad that is to go start six and three and finish seven and ten? Like, that means that they're a lot worse than just picking a few spots earlier can reasonably fix. Like, okay, let's go. They go to the wild card round, get shellacked by someone, right? Whatever. Go to Minnesota, get shellacked. Okay. So you pick 18th or something. Guys, the difference between the 18th pick and pick like 14 or something from missing the playoffs is not that significant like if you fall to that if you fall to seven and ten the the, whatever the difference between is between the guy picked 14th or 13th and the guy picked 18th that's not going to save your world it's not it is much better to win these games because it then proves your holes aren't as bad as you think if they were to start six and three and then finish seven and ten they they need they need to start trading some people to get more picks because clearly who they have is just not working if you can finish strong and sneak into the playoffs, that means you fixed some things. That means you saw some improvement from some key areas that you probably don't, you're not as desperate to go get in the draft. So I think that that's, that's something beyond this, the part of these guys are humans. And like, you're talking about coaches getting fired. Uh, you're talking about just not, not that I care a ton about like whether those guys will be fine. I'm talking about like that ruins a lot of the, the momentum you think you can just carry from starting over in a new season. Like growth isn't always linear. Like, yeah, some things worked well this season, but if you fall from six and three to seven and 10, that means you're a lot more screwed than you think. That means you got guys, you got a lot of guys who you probably like this season who ain't coming back. uh, If that happens, 
you're gonna you're gonna have more problems in free agency than you can fix financially. You're gonna have more problems in free agency than in the draft than you can just fix with the 14th pick versus the 18th pick or whatever the hell or the 19th pick that you get if you get smoked in the wild card round. Like there 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 is something you got guys who may want to even resign. You know if they're like, damn man, man Seahawks team we stunk after we went to Germany. I won't be back here. You know you you get that. So I think that and there's some free agents that you you do want to come back to this team um so yeah it, it shouldn't be a debate man besides the fact that i just think rooting to lose is stupid uh just the 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 practical part of it from a roster building view is dumb you need you if this particular team stinks that bad the difference between the pick in the teens or another pick in the teens is not that huge now if we're talking about the difference between drafting trevor lawrence or like zach wilson right like I think the Jets kind of fucked that up. Uh, they won some games at the end of that year and then the, ended up giving the Jags the first pick. Like, that is bad. But even then, the Jets could have just drafted Justin Fields and they'd probably be fine. You know what I mean? So you, you really don't... You're always... There's always going to be a good player on the board, for one, no matter where you pick. And yeah, I think... I can't stress enough. If you fall to 7-10 and 10 and miss the playoffs... Your problems, are, your, it looks like a Costco receipt, the list of problems that the, that the Seahawks would have, you know? It looks maybe more like a Walmart receipt uh, if you can sneak into the playoffs. And I think that's, that's huge, man, because the other part is if Pete stays, this is my last thing on this, if Pete stays around, boy, that messaging is harder to listen to if you go from 6-3 and three to 7-10. and 10. Mm. And you need, you need his messaging to mean something to these cats. And it was going to mean a little bit less if they just fall off the face of the goddamn earth after starting six and three. Keep that in mind as well. Unless you just want Pete gone, then what I just said doesn't matter. But you guys get one point. This next one is actually about Pete. This one is from at K Masterman. His friend or someone he follows on Twitter, his at name is Mr. Tommy G Man, wants to fire Pete Carroll since he's a defensive coach and the defense is trash. I personally think the idea is terrible on multiple levels. Thoughts on thoughts on this for you guys uh i do think that's very fair i was making that point to somebody during the game i was like man as much as people want to say that the seahawks won the russell trade now they did but if you're talking about choosing pete over russ or whatever and pete's supposed to be a defensive guy he ain't had a good defense since 2016 mm. first, first half of 2017 is a long time ago it's, he's changed coordinators assistant he's changed a bunch of personnel and he's changed a lot of other people that ain't him in that time i don't think that means fire to do but um i i do think like that's a really tough spot for jody allen to be in because the defenses are not good and it'd be different shit each year <laughs> like it's a pass rush or in the secondary and now it's the running and you know like it's like i'm from jody i'm like hey man I, i'd ask people like yo what is going on here because mm. no matter who no matter what players you switch out no matter what coaches you switch at different position coaches or no matter what coordinator you switch in we still have these glaring holes on defense where we're like among the worst in the league at, at really important things what's going on and i don't even know what he would say to that um but yeah i don't i don't think it's to the point where you just fire the guy i don't think you fire him because one side of the ball is bad but um yeah that's i do think that's a legitimate concern here i'm very curious what other people think about that one because I agree, and I'm noting it every week. The defense is bad. I'm like, dang man, this supposed this supposed to be Pete's bag, and this year to year, this is just not getting any better. Seahawks haven't had a top ten defense since 2016. 
it's crazy. That's a long time, man. I lived in Pullman in 2016. Like that, that's that's rough. Bang. Putting things in perspective, this last one comes from Hallberry03. At the beginning of the season, would you have expected the Seahawks to be in the position where they are right now? Um, no, I would have. I would not. Remember, I was a guy who thought they'd you know win six games. Um, the reasons that I thought that have not come to fruition. Totally. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very surprised by this. Even that they have a chance after Christmas, you know, to to be a playoff team. Uh, I, I did not think that they'd be able to be proficient through the air like they've been through the totality of the season. Uh, I, I could have thought that the run game would take off because Rashad was Emmett Smith there for the end of 2021. So that part, not, not too crazy to me. But, uh, yeah, I didn't think the defense would, would be too hot. Um, I was worried about the pass rush. Um, not worried like everyone else was, but I was a little concerned. And that's come to fruition was that they've had two sacks the last two weeks. Um, not great. Yeah, it's a lot of dropbacks with no sacks. I was really worried about the cornerback position. Um, just not re-signing DJ Reed the year after not re-signing Shaq. Uh, yeah, I just I just didn't have a ton of faith there. Um, which I don't feel too bad about because, like, how the hell was I supposed to see the Tariq thing coming? Uh, or Michael Jackson. Didn't see that coming either. Um, so I don't feel too bad. Or, or Kobe Bryant playing nickel. Just a bunch of shit is happening as could not have reasonably saw coming. Pete didn't see none of that shit coming. So... I don't feel that bad about it. Um, but yeah, I think I, I it sucks though, and we'll end it on this. It is unfortunate that the Seahawks if the Seahawks do miss the playoffs, which I'm not really sure they will, but that they raced out to that six and three. Because if you if let's say they were finished seven and ten, right? Seven and ten, if you just tell me in August that they will finish that, of Chris, I'm probably sure if I tell you that too, you'd be like, oh, that's that's cool. That's actually not that bad, you know? Especially if I tell you that Denver's ass. You'd be like, well, that's great. But if you finish the year one and seven to get to seven and ten, that's where it's bad. So like the preseason expectations kind of stop mattering after you beat Arizona that second time. Now it's like, all right, you're nine games in. Go be this version of yourselves. Who cares what people thought in August? We're thinking this is who you are now in November. And then they just wet the bed as a team in the scenario where they go one and seven to finish the year. So I actually feel bad because because a lot of people are going to be like, well, seven and ten or eight and nine. That's cool. It's like, nah, guys, you started six and three. So that's actually you really would rather be like Detroit, who is getting hot right around right now. Today, notwithstanding. So, yeah, actually, yeah, Detroit got their ass kicked. I got to go watch that film. But. Uh, yeah, you don't you'd rather be more like Detroit trending up than the Seahawks are trending the wrong way. Like, you know, so that, at the that's the wrong time. Yeah, because it's going to spark a bunch of bad arguments, Chris, in the offseason. You work in radio, so you know, you can hear a bunch of, ah, well, no one expected him. Who cares what they expected in August? At six and three, the ex- expectations changed. That's, let's start from that point. Stop starting from August. I wish people, they're not going to listen to me saying that, but that's what people need to do in the, in the offseason coming up. Who cares what people thought you would be in August? They got a taste of you for two months and you showed them that you could be a team that could do these things with a four game win streak. And it fell off. So that's unfortunate, man. That is very well. Look, this has been another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. We want you guys, we hope you guys have a great Christmas because obviously when this comes out, it'll be over. Yeah. (laughs) So hope you guys have a good one. We'll figure out what we're doing next week. 
because it's just a mess with Christmas being on a Sunday. I'm sure Mike's off for the next, what, two days at least? Uh, I, They got me doing a bunch of playoff scenario shit. Um, we'll figure it out. Yeah, which, which is fine. I'll, I'll talk to our our, our uh, Jets writer, Zach. I'll hit him up. We, we should get him on the show. We got to have this sauce versus Tariq debate on the oh, pod. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be gotta, good. We got to get that on the pod. So I'll, I'll, hit up, I'll hit him up right as soon as we're done recording. I'll hit him up. So, yeah, but you guys enjoy the time with your family and friends. Maybe have the pod going while you're eating dinner. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Other than that, we appreciate all the love and support you guys give us every week, whether it be on this channel through Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever you listen to the podcast. We appreciate it. Mike, is there anything you want to add before we get out of here? Yeah, just happy holidays to y'all. Like I said, this will come out. Like Chris said, this will come out after Christmas. But whatever you celebrate, um, however you get down, happy whatever that is. Uh, New Year's, all that good stuff. But yeah, we'll be back. We'll preview the Jets game. We're gonna have we're gonna have this sauce versus Tariq debate, man. I'm gonna hit up Zach right now. So appreciate the love, y'all. We'll catch y'all next time.